I completely agree with that. You know, be be intentional as to where you apply for your programs. Don't just do it just because. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you should yeah. you should have the reasoning as to why. If someone asks you why did you apply to this residency program, don't just say. I mean, you can just say, you know, they look like a decent program, but have your reasons why. Yeah. Um, and, and it'll save you money too. Yes. <laughs> it'll yes. Save you, it'll save you money and time uh, if, if you're a bit more picky and you're not just applying to a whole bunch of different places. So that yeah. might um, be better for you. I, I know one individual who only applied to one place. Um, they they used um, actually the, the Road to Residency series that Sean and I did last year uh, to help them determine which places to apply to. And that was one of the resources. And they decided to listen to us and only apply to one place that they liked and that they felt they would be happy at. And they did match. <laughs> it worked out for them. So that's great. Um, and if they didn't match, maybe they would go through phase two and explore that, or maybe they would go a different route with their career. But it's something where it's like, the last thing you want to do is be miserable <laughs> for a whole year where it's going to be probably one of the toughest years um, of your life. And I can attest to that because I'm currently going through it. So the last thing you want to do is be in an area where you're not happy, whether it's location, um, the type of work you're doing, the pharmacist you're around, et cetera, et cetera. So you definitely want to make sure that you at least enjoy the environment, the workplace, and the type of work you'll be doing. So always, always, always um, utilize your resources the best you can and double check to make sure this program matches with your personal goals and your career goals. So that way you're not stuck in a horrible position. To follow up, sorry, just really fast. Well, I also just want to highlight that it's okay to apply to those smaller hospitals. You don't have to apply to those bigger hospitals. So for me, I remember I reached out to Joven and I was like, man, I'm going to apply to MGH because, you know, they're heavy in quick care, but who knows if I get a interview I get an interview if I don't then at least I tried but then I also applied to some hospitals that only had 200 beds but you know their goals also aligned with my goals and I thought of it as just if this happens and it's just more of that interaction that I have with the providers where they might know me on a first name basis and have that intimate you know the intimate relationship then that's completely fine as well so don't discredit those smaller hospitals as well. I mean, for me, I, again, apply to everywhere as to different health institutes as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's just something very important to highlight. It might be, have a name behind it. You know, it might be Advent Health or something like that. But if you decide maybe that's not for you and you want to go for another hospital, don't let other people discredit you from not applying there. Yeah. And I think that's a great point because I believe a lot of recent graduates or I guess you'll still be in school when you're applying. So a lot of fourth year farm pharmacy students are thinking, you know, the big name, you know, especially if we went to university of Florida, like you did, um, like I did as well. You're thinking, Oh, we should probably go to the big name. Like, yes, I agree when it comes to pharmacy school, like you should probably go to the bigger name. You want to make sure you go to the place that's going to educate you the best and put you in the position to be the most successful. That's probably going to be one of the bigger universities. Um, um, and there's a reason why, you know, UF has such a high uh, percentage of individuals who match um, is because they're one of those bigger universities, one of the top 10 um, you know, um, college of pharmacies in, in the nation. But when it comes to a PGY-1, I think it's more about the experience. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still going through the process, actively searching for jobs and whatnot. But it seems like it's all about the experience. So looking at those rotations, do they match your goals? If they do, then the experience should be fine, you know? 
if that's what you're into. Yes, it's smaller. Maybe you're not exposed to certain things, but even at a larger hospital, you're not going to be exposed to everything. You know, there's going to be certain disease states that are more localized to the Midwest or to the West Coast. So that's different things that you're just going to have to understand and kind of deal with. And I don't want individuals to feel, oh, they're not the biggest name, so I shouldn't go there. Hey, as long as they're accredited, go there. If they're pre-accredited, I don't recommend going there because you don't know if they'll get it or not. And then you're wasting your time for a year and it's going to be a tough year. So basically, if they're an accredited program and you match phase one, phase two, scramble, whatever the case may be, it's going to be a year of learning and a year of growth for you. But only if that's what you truly want. I don't want to force anybody to like, feel like they have to take a residency. It should be something that you truly desire and you want to do. And don't feel ashamed going to a smaller place. That It doesn't mean you're not going to have a great opportunity um, at all, like Prachi was saying. So definitely feel free to apply to smaller hospitals, larger hospitals. If you ask me, like I was honestly less of a, less of a fan of the larger hospitals because I felt like I wouldn't have enough time with maybe preceptors or whatnot, like they would probably have too much of a workload. So I try to go with more medium-sized hospitals for the ones that I was looking at personally. But that's something that you'll kind of have to weigh the pros and cons of being at a larger institution, health um, health institution versus a smaller one. And then let's see, let's see here. So what advice do you wish you kind of knew before starting the residency application process? So some pieces of advice that I definitely recommend is whenever students are on their appy rotations, and this can also apply to hippie and mm-hmm. kidney rotations as well, is just keeping a track of all of your personal experiences that you've had on your rotation. So whether that be a medication that you restarted, home medication, you just counseled a patient, made an impact on them, any sort of realm that you feel like you can talk about in a interview, I would just keep a track of those. So that one, you can not only reflect upon, but it also is just a unique experience to you and yourself that you can talk about on your LOIs as well. So I just wish that I had all of those because I remember when I was preparing for my interviews, I'm thinking to myself, like, what's the biggest impact that I've made? And then it's kind of like you forget those in some ways because you've had so many interviews and you've gone throughout day in, day out, kind of doing the same thing. So for me, it's just if you can come home, even if it's at the end of your rotation, and talk a little bit in in a Word document or Google Doc about what you did, what the biggest impact was, you know, what did this patient have? And then really just being able just to kind of look upon that, especially as you prepare yourself for your interviews. Additionally, I would say reaching out to fellow residents. I know I reached out to you, Jovan. I know I reached out to uh, to other various residents as well. And then to Jeff, you know, the yep. OG podcaster. Yeah, the OG. Like, yes, so, yes, yes. Um, you know, asking him to look at my LOIs. And I think also just looking online to what residency LOIs look like, because they're going to be far different than what you might intentionally go in with. That doesn't mean that they're great and that they're exactly what you should use, but it kind of gives you a reference as to what they can look like. And you can really start this early on in your process of residency writing as Mm -hmm. well. I think it just gives you a good fundamental basis for that. And I think something else is also just making sure that someone is looking at your CV, you really need to highlight, you know, independency. So what did you do to contribute? Were you rounding on a team? Did you assess medical interventions? You know, something like that, where it's kind of just showing how you can contribute to the program that you're applying to as well. 
So um, again, I reached out to Jeff, who was really able to help me with my CV and my mm. letter of intent, because he is now in his PGY2. So he's not only gone through this process once, but twice. Twice, yep. <laughs> so he had a lot of knowledge to provide to me what residency mm. programs look for as well. well and uh, I'm, I'm going to cut you off right there because I'm going to forget this point. I would say actually three times just because he matched um, first time around phase one with the PGY1 and the PGY2. Um, he didn't match the first time around that he applied. So he just worked for a year and then he went through it um, the second year and that's when he matched um, in his PGY2. So he was able to sometimes you got to reevaluate things. It's not always going to work your way just because maybe you didn't you applied after your PGY1, you didn't get to PGY2, that doesn't mean you give up. He showed resiliency and he still applied, but he had to reevaluate his applications, his skills, different things that he could change and adjust to be a better candidate the next year around so that way he can match with his first choice. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's completely okay. Yeah, and it goes to just show you, again, you might not match with your first place. You might not get an interview with your first place that you might have thought, but that that does not discredit you as a person, as a student, as a resident. You know, like you had previously highlighted, there are thousands of people that are applying to these sites. You don't know what they're looking for. And you might have been like a candidate, but maybe they just couldn't offer you a spot. Right. So Mm -hmm. just don't take that to heart. You know, I went into this application process and I thought the number one place that I wanted to match you actually didn't provide me with an interview. And I whenever Mm -hmm. I got that email, I was I was a little like sad about it. You know, I was thinking to myself, I met these people at mid-year. I really thought I wanted to go here and they didn't provide me with an interview. Wow, I can't believe that process. Like, you know, it it, it is a little yeah. bit of a shock, but you get over it and you're just like mm-hmm. thankful for the fact that these other places have invited you for interviews. And I think that as like a lesson, like maybe it's just meant to be, maybe it was just yeah. meant to be that I didn't go there. So I think don't definitely don't discredit yourself if you go in wanting to have an interview or wanting to match somewhere and you might not get that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so and I then, just wanted to highlight that. Sorry. No, 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 you're fine. I, I was going to circle back because... Um, I had to mention that point about Jeff because you were in the middle of talking about Jeff was the one that looked at your CV, kind of gave you some feedback. And you're saying, I think you're going to say something along the lines of keep in mind that like everyone's going to have different feedback on your CV and letter of intent. Yeah. So everyone is going to have something different to say as for your CV and your letter of intent. And that's not to say that, of course, every individual is right or wrong. It's really going to be up to you, right? It's you want to make sure that this is what we had previously highlighted is a reflection mm-hmm. of you. What do you feel comfortable turning it in as? Don't turn it yeah. in as this past resident told me to say this and do this. So that's why I'm going <laughs> yeah. to do it like that. You know, make mm-hmm. it about you because as again, previously highlighted in this podcast that you're going to get asked questions about your CV. And if you write something in there and someone asks you and you're like, I don't know, that's going to be a reflection upon you. So make sure whatever you're turning in, you feel comfortable with and just make sure that it looks clean. You know, everyone again is going to have their different ways, but just making sure that you are okay with what you're turning in. Yeah. 100% agree. And since we're talking about Jeff, I'll, I'll mention him. Uh, he also helped me out with my CV and letter of intent. And I reached out to some other um, previous residents as well. And pretty much consensus on the CV, um, some advice across the board. And I, I felt comfortable with that letter of intent. Not so much. <laughs> uh, I disagreed with Jeff's advice, which is okay. You know, he he had his advice as far as what he thought I should structure it as. But I'm like, that didn't feel natural to me. I was like, that's not how I write. That's not who I am as a person. And I felt like I wasn't showing my personality if I did that. Um, But you also have to keep in mind people's background, right? Um, Jeff is more inpatient, acute care, ED, 
um, or emergency medicine is what, what he's focused on. So it's like, you know, his writing style and how he's kind of showing himself is a little bit different if I'm interested in Amcare, for example. And I think the way I wrote worked out for me because I got my Amcare interviews um, and eventually matched with um, Celebration. So that's something where it's like you can have different views, take it as quality feedback and see if you want to adjust some things. And if you don't, that's perfectly fine. But like Prachi said, the main thing is have somebody look at it, please. <laughs> um, have somebody look at your CV or letter of intent. Um, you can definitely kind of tell if you're helping out with the residency process, if they had somebody proofread it before they submitted it. So that's something that um, try to get a previous resident, ask the RPD maybe um, where you're doing your rotations at, ask a pharmacist where you're doing rotations at. There's even different services that you can reach out to, um, student to doctor, uh, I think uh, Jessica started RX Blonde, I believe. So that's another resource that you could use. So there's different resources that you can have somebody check out your your CV and give give you some quality feedback, um, as well as your letter of intent. So utilize those. Okay, this is your career that you're dealing with. If you are not willing to pay, I don't know how much it is, but let let's say it's ten twenty. Let's say it's fifty dollars, for example. If you're not willing to pay fifty dollars to make sure that you have the best letter of intent or the best CV, how serious are you about this career? How badly do you really want to match with residency? You know, um, So using different resources to help you, utilizing co-residents or, or not, co- excuse me, not co-residents, but utilizing previous residents that you know or, or current residents as well um, to kind of see, kind of get a gauge of how your CV and your letter, letter of intent is to see if they feel like, oh, this is something that would definitely work um, when you're applying for these residency programs. Yeah, and I definitely want to say possibly if you have a off block to start doing your CV during then, because yeah. then if you send it out to the former residents that are current residents now, it at mm. least gives them a little bit of time to look at it and to properly assess it because, you know, they're having a bajillion things going on right now too. Yep. I do want to help you out, but you just have to give them a little bit of time. So mm. I think the earlier, the better. Of course, we always highlight that, but Starting it maybe in your off block, I would suggest it. I didn't have that. So I did it actually during my fifth rotation, which was right before residency interviews, just because everything was kind of fresh in my head. And then okay. I kind of sent them off. I sent them out before the application process actually opened so that it gave them, gave them at least a month and a half to actually look at it, properly assess it, give me feedback for me to send mm-hmm. them back as well. So that was just something that I want to highlight. It's just, you know, giving people a little bit of time, I think yeah. is helpful. Yeah, we're all busy. So you want to give them, I say, at least a week's notice. The more, the better, but at least a week because um, everybody's busy. So you don't want don't have to rush through trying to make edits and they accidentally miss something. Okay, so next, um, from my next question I have for you, and this is kind of summarized basically a lot of things that we talked about. If you could just choose five things for our audience, for our listeners today, what would be the five tips that you would give them to be successful in the residency match process? So my first tip is going to be credit towards Jeff again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he, we got to pay him. We, we got to give him something. We got to give him a medal or something. Some I got to Uber Eats him something. <laughs> yeah, Uber Eats. Yeah, he's, he's probably struggling. Uber Eats him something. Um, yeah, I need to credit Jeff for this one because I think this is what really helped me during my interviews itself. And so it's really, again, we talk about this, but researching your programs. And I don't mean just researching to look to see who the RPD is and anything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, going and I did like a deep dive, but that's just kind of the person who I am. 
So again, looking to see how many board certified pharmacists they have. Saying that in the reason as to why they ask you, why did you choose this hospital? If you can put a numerical value as to how many board certified pharmacists that they have, they're gonna say, holy crap, she did her research. She looked at it. Looking to see if the hospital is a GME program associated hospital meaning that they have associated medical residents or that they have medical students associated with the program. Because most of the time you might see these residents, especially in the critical care unit, the IM unit as well, or in any sort of rotation. But I think it's very important to highlight that you are open to having that interprofessional collaboration with them. So I really I spoke upon that. If you are wanting to do oncology, do they have an associated Mayo Clinic oncologist that they're, you know, that they are in program with? Is it ICU? How many units do they have? If you want to do AM care, what are the disease states that they highlight upon? Are they opening up a new AM care in possibly diabetes or heart failure? Is that something that they might be open to as well? So I think the more specific that you do your research, the better, because it just shows that you have time and you've dedicated that towards as well. For the residents, I think it's important to see whether or not their emails are on the website because sometimes you end the interview and you're like, uh, I can't find the resident's email. Crap, what do I do? So if you look at it and you're like, hey, I didn't see your email on the website. Is there any way I could grab it? It just kind of shows that you saw that and maybe you could reach out to them thereafter. You don't want to be like a oops moment. So that's just my first tip. My second one is for common residency questions. Of course, you can Google this common residency questions for pharmacy. I personally made a Quizlet. So wherever I went, if it was doctor's appointment, standing in line at Publix for waiting for my groceries to be checked out, I could just flip through them, right? And I could just quiz myself on that. And I kind of had the answers on the back of it. So if I forgot, maybe I thought of something before I flipped the question, like an important an important interaction or something like that, that I stopped. And I thought of something right then and there that I had recently done, I can kind of change it when I go home. So I think that's really important. You know, you're practicing those common residency questions. I say every day. I think it's very important. I'm sure Jobin has his techniques as to how he did it. I think it was every day. Yeah, um, yeah. I read I read the Netflix book every day. I didn't necessarily do Quizlets. I did well, Quizlets for um whatchamacallit? The Netflix. The big- Okay. Naplex. When I was when I was preparing for the Naplex, I would do that. I would do like Quizlets and I would if I'm standing in line, same thing, like waiting, you know, for a pub sub or something like that. I'd I'd pull up some of the, the drugs that I can remember, brand generic, stuff like that. But as far as residency, um, I just mainly just use the the book and I would just kind of review that. Okay. Yeah. And I also did this for behavioral questions too, is what I also mm-hmm. wanted to highlight. So, you know, your your strengths and weaknesses. So having those kind of as a Quizlet to test yourself, because you're not going to have that in front of you, right? Yeah. So I think for me, practicing those behavioral questions, using a Quizlet was also helpful for me because I can kind of take those wherever. And, you know, speaking to yourself, especially when we're wearing masks, it's okay. <laughs> you know, no, no yeah. one's seeing you. Mm-hmm. Um so as highlighting upon like, you know, the NAPLEX and case presentations. So for me personally, I kind of made them in topic discussion templates. One, because it was just easier for me to kind of go back upon if I forgot something, especially in the RX prep book. But also okay. you're going to be doing topic discussion templates throughout your rotations. So I think making those, you know, if you have your first rotation and it's DK or heart failure, making that into a topic discussion template is going to be easier so that you kind of don't have to go back to the RX prep book. You already have that template already made. So for me, that's just something that I did that I thought was really nice. I didn't have to go back and like look through PowerPoints. Yeah. And just, just to tag on to that, 
I think it's beneficial to make your topic discussions um, as thorough as possible. And that's what I did when I was a student. And because I did that, it made it very easy for me to just pull up my topic discussions and just review that. When it came to Disney states, I even sent it to a couple of my colleagues. Um, one of them actually being Riley. I was like, oh, um, like, I think she, I forgot where she had an interview coming up. And I was like, oh, like we we're talking, we we're like practicing quizzing each other on different disease states. And I just sent her one of my top discussions to kind of like review. And she's like, oh, wow, like this helped me a lot. And I think um, she ended up getting a couple questions based off one of the top discussions I sent her. And she remembered from like what we were talking about, what I put in there. Um, like why we use this medication and when it was indicated. I think it had something to do with heart failure. So that's something that you could, I would recommend you do as, as a student, try to make your top discussions as thorough as possible. So that way when you're with your preceptor, you can be properly educated on these drugs um, and these disease states. And then you can also use it as a reference when you're preparing for your residency interview. Yeah, I completely agree. And then, of course, with topic discussions as well, I mean, this is be very important, but you'll get asked those questions, right, with your preceptor of, what if this patient came in with this or like what medication would you use oralized for pseudomonas coverage? And those are questions that can easily be asked in an interview as well. So I think having that all in one place is very nice. And at least for me to go back into review, it was really nice for that. The fourth thing that I recommend is doing mock interviews, whether that be with your friends, your family members, over Zoom, in person. You can even use your preceptors. Um, shout out to my sister who has probably heard every presentation that I've given <laughs> and every interview that I've given for her strengths and weaknesses. And she's probably sick and tired of me <laughs> going over that. But, you know, I, I really think it's important because you might freeze. And I definitely did this in one of my mock interviews where I froze and I didn't yeah. know how to answer a question. Yep. And you, I'm with you. Yeah, you don't want that to happen in an interview. That's not to say if it happens, it's a big deal. But you know, as much as you can avoid it, I definitely froze and I was and it freaked me out. It definitely was like, Oh, my gosh, what am I supposed to do? But it just kind of pushes you a little bit harder. So I think mock interviews, very important, especially with mm -hmm. your friends who are also undergoing the match process doing it with them because then they you can kind of bounce ideas off or like this sounded okay, maybe you should say it like this, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely recommend that. Mm, I'm with you. <laughs> try. You can ask my how many times I called her. I was speaking to her and her um, partner Kevin, and they were I every night. Every night they yeah. had asked me like one to three questions, and just repetition, practicing, practicing, practicing with them because it's like I realized after my first interview, I was like, I was not prepared for the question parts at all. Like <laughs> I felt like I aced everything else. But just answering the questions and it's like, I haven't been in an interview in like four five, six years. Right. So it's like, you know, you need to practice. It's the same thing with the mindset of having like your, the, inter the places that you like least kind of your first interviews. So that way you can kind of gain that type of practice and understand the type of questions they'll ask you to really prepare you for the places that are more on the top of your list when it comes to interview experience. Um, but yeah, definitely practice, practice with friends, family members, or preceptors if you can. Yeah, I mean, again, like reach out to your resident friends as well, if they have any time, even for 15 minutes, talking to them on the phone, as you're driving mm. home or anything like that. I think it's just very beneficial. I think I like spoke to myself on the way to rotation sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just to make yeah. sure that I sounded okay. You, you can record questions, you can record questions and then play it, and then respond to them. So that's yeah. something that um, 
I think I did. I don't remember if I did or not, <laughs> but uh, you could just like record certain questions or the questions that you have the most trouble answering and then just play that in the car, leave like a 30 second to one minute pause and put in another question um, on that same recording. So that way you're responding in a timely manner and then it's on to the next question. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There is no such thing as too much practice. <laughs> uh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And so I want to just highlight this last point, but I think it's very important, my fifth point, which is every residency is going to ask you about your personal work-life balance. What do you like mm. to do for fun? And I think this stumps a lot of people because we're so developed as well as we are just integrated into school itself, right? We have yeah. pharmacy always. That's what we do 24-7, right? Yes, that is our life. That is our life. But it's important to have something outside of pharmacy school as well. And so what is it that you do? Do you rock climb? Do you have a food blog? Do you like to paint with friends? Do you read? like to travel you know if you're reading a book what is one of your favorite lines you like poetry so you know even if you don't have hobbies it's just, it's just something else that maybe you're working on that you're trying to be more comfortable with yourself so you know you're trying to go out maybe go to restaurants by yourself are you trying a new place every week and really it just goes to show you that your personality is what's going to really matter the most you have that connection and so it's not just going to be all pharmacy related you have a personality outside of school and the reason why they ask you that question is because they want to make sure that you can balance that residency lifestyle. So they want to make sure that everything is not just of the hospital, of the residency, you're doing MUEs, you're doing all of this, but like, what, how are you going to make yourself mentally sane outside of that program? And is that something that you can also follow through if you decide to match there? So I remember one time I asked about, like, I said something about my friends and they're like, well, you're leaving your friends in Orlando. And I was like, yeah, that's true. However, these current friends that I'm talking about are actually in medical school in Fort Lauderdale. We've been doing long distance friendship for like a really long time. And so, you know, that's, that doesn't change anything. And they're yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay. Like that, that's really impressive that you were able to do that. So I think it's just having something outside of just pharmacy school. That's very important that you can talk upon and just have, you know, your passion behind it too. So just know little things here and there, even if it's something small, like painting, that's completely fine. I remember I showed one of my paintings in my pharmacy residency interview and they were like, oh my God, that's amazing. So it's just the little things. I didn't know you paint. Yeah. Conversation for another day. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're going to have a conversation later about that. (laughs) I I thought you would have said the food blog. Whoa. I mean, I did, I did, but you know, I got to, I got to switch it up every so often. Mm, I got to keep them on their toes. I see. Yeah. You know, they don't know me. They don't know what I said before, (laughs) but (laughs) definitely got to make sure I switch it up here or there. Got it. Yeah. I mean, flexibility, right? That's a key thing everybody wants. So uh, that's pretty cool. So I I didn't know you're an artist and a food blogger. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you read books? A woman of many talents. I I guess so. I'm, I'm just blown away. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I have started reading 5am club, which I haven't really gotten around to that much mm. just because of rotations and of course, matching and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and now I'm moving. Yeah. So yeah. Eventually in due time, I will get back to reading. I think it's very therapeutic okay. at night, but okay. uh, yeah, not too, too much. I did get asked about like, what was the recent book that I read? And I was like, uh, a pharmacy book like access pharmacy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um i i don't know if i got that question i think i wanted that question but i never got it oh. i believe sean got 
that question about what's a recent book that you read. And um, there's something about books and growth, mm-hmm. I believe, with a lot of RPDs. So that's why they appreciate it whenever you do read books. So that's something that, um, you know, you like to read books, definitely mention that. Definitely include that uh, when they talk about your work-life balance. Like one of the things I like to do is read self-help books or nonfiction books, whatever the case may be. Um, but books really... In my opinion, I, I believe that they view it as a way of growing, of self-growth, looking at ways to improve um, different aspects of your life. Because that's that's the main point of a lot of these different self-help books is how to be better at what you do or how to be a better version of yourself. And that could always um, be a good sign and is a, definitely, it's not a red flag. So it's definitely a, a, a good sign if you do read books and you're able to quote a couple lines from a book or or have a book as kind of like one of your mottos. Yeah, definitely not a red flag. My RPD that I'm with right now, or was, I'm sorry, on my hospital rotation with, asked me to read a book. It was a leadership book, and a mm. self-help book. So I don't discredit reading any sort of book. And if yeah. you are open to it, asking an RPD or whoever is the main pharmacy manager, if they are reading a book, which most likely they are, asking yep. them what they're reading and kind of just following upon it, because then you can build that relationship with them as well and talk about oh. it on interviews. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, start a book club. That could be something unique that you start. Maybe you start something with the pharmacist, um, with the RPD at that hospital, as well as other pharmacists and other students present there. And then you guys can kind of have a group discussion about what you learned from the book. And that can kind of help you or help that will help you know more about these pharmacists outside of the professional setting, I want to say, or outside of the pharmacy setting. Um, Because then you can kind of see how they interpret this book, right? And then the same thing with them. They can kind of see outside of the pharmacy setting and just kind of see how you assess this book and kind of interpreted it. So that could be a unique, pretty cool thing that we just came up with on the podcast. Thank you, Prachi. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) That, you know, create a book club. Create a book club. And and that could be a unique way for you to kind of stand out. Yeah. And even if it's not on your rotations, do it at your school. I mean, with an organization. So Exactly. Yeah. that way. Yeah, I like it. Um, is there any final thoughts that you want to share? Anything you could, this is rapid fire. Anything you want the people to know? The audience is dying to know oh. uh, <laughs> the, last, the last little bit. Um, in the next, you know, five to 10 minutes, the last five to 10 minutes of this yeah. episode, they just want to know what are, what are Prachi's final thoughts? <laughs> so my final thoughts are, so there are multiple things. I'll tell you, I'll start off with one thing. <laughs> All right, go for um, it. Post-interview anxiety, I definitely experienced this. I think it's very it's very stressful whenever you're done with your interview and you're like, man, I wish I said this or said this differently. Really? I had, I definitely experienced this for me. Oh, like okay. where I came out of that thinking, I wish in the clinical case I had said this, or maybe I should have said this mm. a little bit more formally, or yeah. maybe I shouldn't have said, you know, you all. or so, I don't know. It's like little nitpicky things yeah. that I think yeah. on. Especially when it's something that you... And when it's a place that you really want to be at, mm-hmm. right? Your heart When's is your top choice, top two, top three. Yeah. Correct. And it's something that's really hard. And I think we all just kind of need to step back and realize that we are our authentic selves whenever we're under that pressure, under that time sensitive matter. And so we're not going to know everything. And it's okay if you are like, man, I should have said this. I should have said that. What is said and what is done is done with. And mm-hmm. really you put your best foot forward. And I think you don't need to go back and ponder upon things. So really try to keep yourself busy. 
I know for Joven, I had talked to him about all my interviews afterwards. And he's like, you need to do something nice for yourself after every interview. So I really took that to heart, too. And it was something as simple like, I'm going to go get sushi after I'm done with this interview. Or like, I'm just going to go out for a walk and clear my head. I think those things are very important to do after an interview and really not to harp on Mm -hmm. what was already done. Yeah. Self-care is the most important care. Yes. And you can harp on everything. You could let the anxiety affect you. I think that happened on after my first interview. And that's when, you know, I was like, you know what? I got to stop it. Um, I don't remember. I think I either went out to eat or I watched a movie because those were like my two biggest hobbies at the time. So I did one of the two. And then afterwards, I was like, you know what? It's okay. Whatever is meant to be will be. Um, I'm going to improve upon this. I kind of thought about things that I could do better at, which was the interview portion. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to my, um, for some reason, I just thought she would be able to help me with that, which she did. <laughs> but uh, I reached out to her, um, her and her partner were able to help me out um, tremendously with the interview experience and help me with those star um, format questions and then, uh, or responses, I should say. And then I made myself, I made sure after each interview, I was going to treat myself. Because I worked so hard to get to this point. And no matter how you felt about the interview, you should reward yourself and congratulate yourself for being able to be in those shoes. Because a lot of people wish they had multiple interviews. You know, you saying that you had 10, that is incredible. You know, a lot of people I'm sure wish they had 10. I I know we know some individuals who only had like three or two or maybe four or five, but to have 10 is incredible. So you should really congratulate yourself and be proud of the fact that you were able to do eight interviews. I know you declined two, but you had eight that you actually went to. So you should do something special, you know, reward yourself. You deserve it. You know, you, you've worked so hard the past four years and then even um, longer than that because of undergrad. If you decide to get um, an undergrad degree, your bachelor's, or if you decided to just do the two year, like whether it's been eight or six years of hard work that you've been putting in, like celebrate do something special and then it'll make your mood so much better. And it's not so constricted and, and like you feel forced and you feel bitter and upset. And then that, I feel like that post-interview anxiety went away when I started having fun right after an interview. So that's something I highly recommend everybody do. Just do something special for yourself. And that'll probably help you ease that post-interview anxiety. I agree. And I'll leave it with two things. So one of the last things I'll say is go in with an open mind Definitely go in with an open mind because I thought before all of my interviews that I was going to rank this one one site as my number one. And I left in some sites I was like, maybe I'm not even going to rank. And I will say after one of my first interviews, I was like, holy crap, I think this is going to be my number one place. And I didn't even think about ranking them. So go in with that open mindset because you never know how you're going to feel coming out of that interview. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of the things I'll definitely say my mind was definitely changed afterwards some of these interviews where I was like "Uh, I think I'm gonna rank them and someone was like I thought you were gonna rank them and I was like I know dang it (laughs) yeah yeah um and definitely never you know start listening to the podcast early on you know that listening to this podcast or any sort of pharmacy podcast I know I listened to the capsule rx podcast early on especially when i was going through the residency process so it's Aww, kind of thank full you. circle it's very full circle of me coming back on um no thank you for doing the whole entire series because it definitely helped me a lot so even mm-hmm. if you're listening on your way to rotations or on your way home just putting it on i think it's just going to help your you know just help the ride a little bit easier and better and then you're yeah. getting at least some sort of information yeah. so starting yourself on and then always give yourself credit never never doubt yourself 
give yourself credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'll leave it on. I completely agree, especially the part with listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, that sounds like great final thoughts to leave everybody, leave all of our listeners. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Prachi, for being able to come on and kind of walk us through your residency experience and kind of give some more advice. I think some of the things I walked away with was definitely the preparation part. I didn't really do the schedule thing. I probably should have. I did a checklist, but I didn't really schedule everything out and that can get kind of hectic. So maybe having a print out calendar, writing everything down, creating your checklist for every, every place. So that way you can make sure you meet your deadlines. Um, Definitely preparing for those clinical cases. Um, Like I said, for me, it was a bit different because I started early but if maybe you didn't open up the RX prep book during your rotations, like better now than never, you know, so opening up that book, kind of go through things, using your top discussions, um, creating those quizlets while you're studying in a line, waiting for food, or um, maybe at your doctor's appointment, whatever the case may be, where you're patiently waiting for something, you know, look up some pharmacy terminology, uh, go over a brief, watch a brief YouTube video um, on different disease states. There's like MedCram that you could look up. You could, um, Ninja Nerds is a bit long when it comes to things, but you could probably go to the part that just talks about the treatment options. You know, there's different avenues and resources online that you can use to help increase your disease state knowledge and, and treatment knowledge. So that's something that I would highly recommend anybody to do. And then also, um, I think a key thing you mentioned was what's your plan B? You know, a lot of us come in thinking one thing, right? Um, for example, I, I haven't wavered as far as me. I'm still interested in care, but, uh, but coming into pharmacy school, I was thinking about probably doing compounding or clinical. And then once I got on rotations, I started experiencing that. And even now in residency, I'm like, you know, if I had to rank them, I'd probably say care is number one. Number two is honestly staffing to me. And number three is clinical. Um, so that's like my top three favorite, uh, but that doesn't mean I can't work in clinical. I think I'll be fine. I'll, I'll still enjoy it. It's just what do I enjoy the most, if you ask me, is definitely AMP care. And then number two would be staffing. Um, and then three is that having that open mind, being able to adjust things and figuring out, all right, well, backup options. So maybe for you, you're thinking crit care. Um, and then possibly, let's say, um, I guess in your case, it would be ID. But let's say chemo, right? So you want to make sure that place has a... a some type of oncology rotation, an infusion center, maybe something there that's chemo related, just in case maybe once you're in residency, maybe as a student, you enjoyed it. But as a resident, you didn't really enjoy crit care that much. Or maybe it's just too much for you. You felt burnt out a lot dealing with it. Or maybe, you know, having to deal with codes and different individuals passing that that's just weighs too much on your heart. And that's understandable. So maybe for you, it's better to do your backup, explore your backup. Maybe your backup was ED. Maybe your backup was um, oncology. So you want to make sure those opportunities are present. And that's not something we really spoke about on on our previous episodes. And I think that's a great, great thing that you mentioned today, Prachi, is having those plan Bs um, available, plan B, plan C, whatever the case is, because you're stuck there for a year, buddy. (laughs) So so, um, you want to make sure that they have the alternatives that you could possibly be interested in. um, So that way you can get that, that rotation experiences to determine whether or not if you want to pursue a career down that path and then um starting a book club yes yes yes, yes. i was like i didn't write down i have my i have some notes that i wrote down i was like what was the last thing i I lost it but you know me well you knew where i was going start a book club (laughs) that's it start a book club whether it's um in your fraternity 
If it's in one of your student organizations on rotation, start a book club, start reading some self-help books, some leadership books um, to help improve your knowledge and help improve you as a person. And that's something that I'm sure any RPD would appreciate. Just trust me, they'll appreciate it. So read books. Don't ask me why they care about it. They do just read books. (laughs) All right. Read some self-help books, um, some leadership books, and, and you could probably impress them um, with that. So definitely, definitely start a book club on rotation if you can. Yep. And give yourself credit, just be happy and be thankful. You know, even if you don't get any interviews that you were able to do the process in itself and try again harder the next time around for phase two. Yeah. Yeah. And for anybody that's one of our listeners, um, if you don't match phase one, always remember to reach out to us, um, reach out to capsule at capsule RX, um, podcast or on Instagram, reach out to us on there, Facebook, whatever the case may be. Message us immediately as soon as you know, um, and we'll do everything we can to help you out. So um, I know for this this past year, uh, there are some individuals that didn't match, so we're doing everything we can to help them match phase two. So if you don't match and you're still interested in, in being a resident, becoming a resident, going through the phase two process, please, 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 please reach out to us as soon as possible so that way we can um, be sure to help you guys get that um, residency that, you, that you're so interested in being a part of. So that's basically it. Um, I don't think there's anything else that we really got to touch. No. I think you did a great job, Prachi, just kind of walking everybody through your experience. And I think it's great to have different individuals give their advice. You know, like I said, Prachi has different points of views that, that Sean and I didn't really look at. And that's something that is helpful because Sean was pretty straightforward on what he wanted to do. I was pretty straightforward on what I wanted to do. So I didn't really care about backups, you know? Um, but if you're unsure, you know, I, I, th- I think you brought in some great points there and it's always nice to refresh this topic, the residency topic and, and try to see how we can improve it. Um, Cause maybe we'll do another road to residency series in a couple of years or something like that. And kind of add in some of the things that, that you taught us today, Prachi, and you kind of expressed to make it, um, a more concise and a better experience for all of our audience listeners. Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me on again. I feel like it's very full circle because yeah. I was just here listening to your podcast and now I'm on it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And, and it, it still amazes me when I hear people say they listen to us. Um, I mean, we know people do cause we can see how many people do, but <laughs> it's just like, really? It's just me, a Mike and Sean. <laughs> And it's like, people are willing to listen to us. Like, we're not that impressive. We're just average, average people, um, in my opinion. But um, we just wanted to be of service to everybody because this experience can be very tough and very, and a very grueling process. And we figured, hey, if we could help other people give advice to help them match with the number one choice and be happy, that is, you know, we may not know about it, but that is a very rewarding thing that we could do um, for them. So that's something that we just thought about. We wanted to do that road to residency series and we wanted to make sure everybody is able to match. If it's not with the first choice, at least match somewhere. And if you don't match phase one, we'll do our best that we can to help you with phase two. And if you can't match phase two, we'll do the best with the scramble or help you find a job, whatever the case may be. But we just want everybody to um, enjoy the process. We want you all to enjoy the process And um, if there's anything we can do to help, just let us know.